0: Welcome to the Milk Bar. Welcome along to a very special Christmas edition of the Milk Bar. Christopher Commander and Sarah Wendy Berman have worked on and adapted a version of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol and we present
1: it to you now, here on the Milk Bar. Stave 1. Marley's Ghost. Marley was dead, to begin with. There is no doubt whatever about that the register of his burial was signed by the clergyman the clerk the undertaker and the chief mourner scrooge signed it old marley was as dead as a doornail scrooge knew he was dead of course he did how could it be otherwise scrooge and he were partners for i don't know how many years scrooge was his sole executor his sole administer his sole friend and his sole mourner The mention of Marley's funeral brings me back to the point I started from. There is no doubt that Marley was dead. This must be distinctly understood or nothing wonderful can come of the story. Scrooge never painted out old Marley's name. There it stood, years afterwards above the warehouse door, Scrooge and Marley. The firm was known as Scrooge and Marley. Sometimes people new to the business called Scrooge Scrooge, and sometimes Marley. But he answered to both names. It was all the same to him. Oh, but he was a tight fisted hand at the grindstone, Scrooge, as squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner, hard and sharp as flint, from which no steel had ever struck out generous fire, secret and self contained and solitary as an oyster. The cold within him froze his old features, nipped his pointed nose, shriveled his cheek, stiffened his gait, made his eyes red, his thin lips blue and spoke out shrewdly in his grating voice. He carried his own low temperature always about with him. He iced his office in the dog days and didn't thaw it one degree at Christmas. Nobody ever stopped him in the street to say with gladsome looks, My dear Scrooge, how are you? When will you come to see me? No beggars implored him to bestow a trifle. No children asked him what it was a clerk. No man or woman ever, once in all his life, inquired the way to such and such a place of Scrooge. Even the blind men's dogs appeared to know him, and when they saw him coming on would tug their owners into doorways. But what did Scrooge care? It was the very thing he liked, to edge his way along the crowded paths of life, warning all human sympathy to keep its distance. Once upon a time, of all the good days in the year, on Christmas Eve, old Scrooge sat busy in his counting house. It was cold, bleak, biting weather, foggy with all, and he could hear the people in the court outside go wheezing up and down, beating their hands upon their breasts and stamping their feet upon the pavement stones to warm them. The city clocks had only just gone three, but it was quite dark already. The fog came pouring in at every chink and keyhole, and was so dense without, the houses opposite were mere phantoms. The door of Scrooge's counting-house was open, that he might keep his eye upon his clerk, who in a dismal little cell beyond was copying letters. Scrooge had a very small fire, but the clerk's fire was so very much smaller that it looked like one coal. But he couldn't replenish it, for Scrooge kept the coal-box in his own room, wherefore the clerk put on his white comforter, and tried to warm himself at the candle, in which effort, not being a man of strong imagination, he failed.
0: A Merry Christmas, Uncle! God save you!
1: It was the voice of Scrooge's nephew who came upon him so quickly that this was the first intimation he had of his approach. Bah uh, humbug!
0: Christmas a humbug, Uncle! You don't mean that, I am sure!
1: I do. Merry Christmas! What right have you to be merry? What reason have you to be merry? You're poor enough!
0: Come, then. What right have you to be dismal? What reason have you to be morose? You're rich enough.
1: Bah, bug.
0: Don't be cross, uncle.
1: What else can I be when I live in a world of fools as this? Merry Christmas. Out upon Merry Christmas. What's Christmas time to you but a time for paying bills without money? A time for finding yourself a year older, but not an hour richer? If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled in his own pudding, and bedded with a stake of holly through his heart he should. Uncle! Nephew, keep Christmas in your own way, and let me keep it in mine.
0: Keep it? But you don't keep it. Let
1: me leave it alone, then. Much good it may do you. Much good it has ever done you.
0: There are many things from which I have derived good, by which I have not profited. I dare say Christmas among the rest. But I am sure I have always thought of Christmas time as a good time, a kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time, the only time I know of in the long calendar of the year when men and women seem by one consent to open their shut-up hearts freely and to think of people below them as if they really were fellow passengers to the grave and not another race of creatures bound on other journeys. And therefore, uncle, "'though it has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pockets, "'I believe that it has done me good, and will do me good, "'and I say God bless it!'
1: "'The clerk involuntarily applauded. "'Becoming immediately sensible of the impropriety, "'he poked the fire, and extinguished the last frail spark forever. "'Let me hear another sound from you, Crattit, "'and you'll keep your Christmas by losing your situation. "'You're quite a powerful speaker, sir. "'I wonder you don't go into Parliament.'
0: Don't be angry, uncle. Come, dine with us tomorrow.
1: Why did you get married?
0: Because I fell in love.
1: Because you fell in love?
0: Nay, uncle, but you never came to see me before that happened. Why give it reason for not coming now?
1: Good afternoon.
0: I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you. Why cannot we be friends?
1: Good afternoon.
0: I am sorry, with all my heart, to find you so resolute. We have never had any quarrel to which I have been a party, but I have made the trial in homage to Christmas, and I'll keep my Christmas humor to the last. So a Merry Christmas, Uncle.
1: Good afternoon. And
0: a Happy New Year. Good
1: afternoon.
0: His nephew left the room without an angry word, notwithstanding. He stopped at the outer door to bestow the greetings of the season on the clerk, who, cold as he was, was warmer than Scrooge, for he returned them cordially.
1: "'There's another fellow, my clerk, with fifteen shillings a week, "'and a wife and family, talking about a merry Christmas. "'I'll retire to Bedlam.'"
0: This lunatic, in letting Scrooge's nephew out, had let another person in. He was a portly gentleman, pleasant to behold, and now stood, with his hat off, in Scrooge's office. He had books and papers in his hands, and bowed to him. "'Scrooge and Molly's, I believe,' Have I the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr.
1: Marley? Mr. Marley has been dead these seven years. He died seven years ago, this very night.
0: We have no doubt his liberality is well represented by his surviving partner. At this festive season of the year, Mr. Scrooge, it is more than usually desirable that we should make some slight provisions for the poor and destitute who suffer greatly at the present time. Many thousands are in want of common necessaries. Hundreds of thousands are in want of common comfort, sir.
1: Are there no prisons?
0: Plenty of prisons.
1: And the union workhouses, are they still in operation?
0: They are. Still, I wish I could say they were not.
1: Oh, I was afraid, from what you said at first, that something had occurred to stop them in their useful course. I'm very glad to hear it.
0: Under the impression that they scarcely furnish Christian share of mind or body to the multitude, a few of us are endeavouring to raise a fund to buy the poor some meat and drink and means of warmth. We choose this time because it is a time of all others when want is keenly felt and abundance rejoices. What shall I put you down for?
1: Nothing. Nothing.
0: You wish to be anonymous?
1: I wish to be left alone. Since you ask me what I wish, sir, this is my answer. I don't make merry myself at Christmas, and I can't afford to make idle people merry. I hope to support the establishments I have mentioned. They cost enough, and those who are badly off must go there.
0: Many can't go there, and many would rather die.
1: If they would rather die, they had better do it, and decrease the surplus population. "'Besides, it's not my business. "'It's enough for a man to understand his own business "'and not to interfere with other people's. "'Mine occupies me constantly. "'Good afternoon.'
0: Seeing clearly that it would be useless to pursue his point, the gentleman withdrew. Scrooge resumed his labours with an improved opinion of himself. Meanwhile, the fog and darkness thickened. The ancient tower of a church, whose gruff old bell was always peeping slyly down at Scrooge out of a gothic window in the wall, became invisible, and struck the hours and quarters in the clouds, with tremulous vibrations afterward, as if its teeth were chattering in its frozen head up there. Foggier yet, and colder. Piercing, searching, biting cold. At length, the hour of shutting up the counting-house arrived. With an ill will, Scrooge dismounted from his stool, and tacitly admitted the fact to the expectant clerk.
1: "'You'll want all day tomorrow, I suppose?' If quite convenient, sir. It's not convenient, and it's not fair. If I was to stop half a crown for it, you'd think yourself ill-used, I'll be bound. And yet you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for no work? It's only once a year, sir. A poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. But I suppose you must have the whole day. Be here all the earlier next morning.
0: The clerk promised that he would, and the office was closed in a twinkling. Scrooge took his melancholy dinner in his usual melancholy tavern, and having read all the newspapers, and beguiled the rest of the evening with his banker's book, went home to bed. He lived in chambers which had once belonged to his deceased partner. They were a gloomy suite of rooms, fog and frost hung about the black old gateway of the house.
1: Now it is a fact that there was nothing at all particular about the knocker on the door, except that it was very large— It is also a fact that Scrooge had seen it night and morning during his whole residency in that place. Let it also be borne in mind that Scrooge had not bestowed one thought on Marley since his last mention of his seven years dead partner that afternoon, and then let any man explain to me, if he can, how it happened that Scrooge, having his key in the lock of the door, saw in the knocker, not a knocker, but Marley's face. Marley's face. He was not angry or ferocious, but looked at Scrooge as Marley used to look. And though the eyes were wide open, they were perfectly motionless. As Scrooge looked fixedly at this phenomenon, it was a knocker again.
0: To say that he was not startled would be untrue. But he put his hand upon the key and turned it sturdily. Sitting room, bedroom, lumber room, all as they should be. Nobody under the table. Nobody under the sofa, nobody under the bed, nobody in the closet, nobody in his dressing gown, which was hanging up in a suspicious attitude against the wall. Quite satisfied, he closed the door and locked himself in. Double locked himself in, which was not his custom. Thus secured against surprise, he put on his dressing gown and slippers and his nightcap and sat down before the fire to take his gruel.
1: As he threw his head back in the chair, his glance happened to rest upon a bell. It was with great astonishment, and with a strange, inexplicable dread, that as he looked he saw this bell begin to swing. It swung so softly in the outset that it scarcely made a sound, but soon it rang out loudly and so did every bell in the house. The bells ceased as they'd begun, together. It were succeeded by a clanking noise, deep down below, as if some person were dragging a heavy chain over the casts in the wine merchant's cellar. The cellar door flew open with a booming sound, and then he heard the noise much louder on the floors below, then coming up the stairs, then coming straight towards his door. It still I won't believe it.
0: His color changed though, when, without a pause, it came on through the heavy door and passed into the room before his eyes. Upon its coming in, the dying flame leapt up as though it cried, I know him! Marley's ghost! and fell again. The same face, the very same, Marley. The chain he drew was clasped about his middle. It was long and wound about him like a tail, and it was made, for Scrooge observed it closely, of cash boxes, keys, padlocks, ledgers, deeds, and heavy purses wrought in steel. His body was transparent, so that Scrooge, observing him, and looking through his waistcoat, could see the two buttons on his coat behind. Scrooge had often heard it said that Marley had no bowels, but he'd never believed it until now.
1: How now, what do you want with me? Much. Who are you?
0: Ask me who I was. And who were you then? In life I was your partner, Jacob Marley.
1: Can you... can you sit down... I can. Well, do it then.
0: You don't believe in me. I don't. Why do you doubt your senses? Well,
1: because a little thing affects them. A slight disorder of the stomach makes them cheat. You may be an undigested bit of beef, a blot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, a fragment of an underdone potato. There's more of gravy than grave about you, whatever you are. Mercy dreadful apparition. Why do you trouble me? Man of the worldly mind, do you believe in me or not? I do. I must. But why do spirits walk the earth, and why do they come to me?
0: It is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men and travel far and wide. And if that spirit goes not forth in life, it is condemned to do so after death. It is doomed to wander through the world. Oh, woe is me, and witness what I cannot share, but might have shared on earth, and turned to happiness.
1: You are fettered. Tell me why.
0: I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it, link by link, and yard by yard. I girded it on of my own free will, and of my own free will I wore it. Would you know the weight and length of the strong coil you bear yourself? It was full as heavy and as long as this seven Christmas Eves ago. You have labored on it since. It is a ponderous chain.
1: Jacob, speak comfort to me, Jacob.
0: I have none to give. It comes from other regions, Ebenezer Scrooge, and is conveyed by other ministers to other kinds of men. Nor can I tell you what I would. A very little more is all permitted me. I cannot rest. I cannot stay. I cannot linger anywhere. My spirit never wandered beyond our counting house. Mark me. In life, my spirit never roved beyond the narrow limits of our money-changing hole, and weary journeys lie before me.
1: But you were always a good man of, of business, Jacob.
0: Business. Mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, and benevolence were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business this time of the rolling year I suffer most why did I walk through crowds of fellow beings with my eyes turned down and never raise them to that blessed star which led the wise man to a poor abode hear me my time is nearly gone
1: I will but, but don't be hard upon me Jacob you will be
0: haunted by three spirits
1: is that the chance and hope you mention Jacob it is I, I think I'd rather not
0: Without their visits, you cannot hope to shun the path I tread. Expect the first tomorrow when the bell tolls one.
1: Couldn't I take them all at once and have it over, Jacob? Expect
0: the second on the next night at the same hour, the third upon the next night when the last stroke of twelve has ceased to vibrate. Look to see me no more, and for your own sake you remember what has passed between us. The apparition walked backward from him, and beckoned Scrooge to approach. Scrooge became sensible of confused noises in the air, incoherent sounds of lamentation and regret, wailings inexpressibly sorrowful and self-accusatory. The spectre joined the mournful dirge and floated out upon the bleak, dark night. Scrooge followed to the window, desperate in his curiosity. He looked out. The air below was filled with phantoms, wandering hither and thither in restless haste and moaning as they went. Every one of them wore chains like Marley's ghost. Some few were linked together, none were free. The misery with them all was clearly that they sought to interfere for good in human matters and had lost the power forever. And Scrooge, being from the emotion he had undergone or the fatigues of the day or his glimpse of the invisible world or the lateness of the hour, much in need of repose, went to bed and fell asleep upon the instant. Stave Two The First of the Three Spirits When Scrooge awoke, it was so dark he could scarcely distinguish the transparent window from the opaque wall of his chamber. He was endeavouring to pierce the darkness with his ferret eyes when the chimes of a neighbouring church struck out the four quarters. So he listened for the hour.
1: Twelve? Why, why it was past two when I went to bed. Why, it isn't possible that I have slept through a whole day and and far into another night.
0: Scrooge thought, and thought, and thought it over, and over, and over, and could make nothing of it. The more he thought, the more perplexed he was, and the more he endeavored not to think, the more he thought. Marley's ghost bothered him exceedingly.
1: Was it a dream, or not?
0: Scrooge lay in this state until the chime had gone three-quarters more, when he remembered that the ghost had warned him of a visitation when the bell tolled one.
1: Quarter past, half past, a quarter to it, of the hour itself, and nothing else.
0: Light flashed up in the room upon the instant, and the curtains of his bed were drawn aside by a hand. Scrooge found himself face to face with the unearthly visitor who drew them. It was a strange figure, like a child, yet not so like a child as like an old man, viewed through some supernatural medium its hair which hung about its neck and down its back was white as if with age and yet the face had not a wrinkle in it it wore a tunic of the purest white and round its waist was bound a lustrous belt it held a branch of fresh green holly in its hand but the strangest thing about it was that from the crown of its head there sprung a bright clear jet of light by which all this was visible and a great extinguisher for a cap which it now held under its arm
1: Are you the spirit, sir, whose whose coming was foretold to me? I am. Who and what are you?
0: I am the ghost of Christmas past.
1: Long past?
0: No, your
1: past. What business brought you here?
0: Your welfare.
1: I am much obliged, but I think a night of unbroken rest would have been more conducive to that end.
0: Your reclamation, then. Take heed. Rise and walk with me. The grasp, though gentle, was not to be resisted he rose but finding that the spirit made toward the window clasped his robe in supplication
1: "i, I am mortal and, and liable to fall"
0: there but a touch of my hand there and you shall be upheld in more than this as the words were spoken they passed through the wall and stood upon an open country road with fields on either hand the city had entirely vanished The darkness and the mist had vanished with it, for it was a clear, cold winter day, with snow upon the ground. Good
1: heaven! I was bred in this place! I I was a boy here!
0: Your lip is trembling, and what is that upon your cheek? You recollect the way.
1: Remember it! I, I could walk it blindfold!
0: Strange to have forgotten it for so many years. Let us go on.
1: They walked along the road. Scrooge recognized every gate and post and tree, until a little market town appeared in the distance, with its bridge, its church, and winding river. Some shaggy ponies were now seen trotting towards them with boys on their backs, who called to other boys in country jigs and carts driven by farmers. All these boys were in great spirits and shouted to each other, until the broad fields were so full of merry music that the crisp air laughed to hear it. These
0: are but shadows of the things that have been. They have no consciousness of us.
1: The jocund travellers came on, and as they came, Scrooge knew and named every one. Why was he rejoiced beyond all bounds to see them? Why did his cold eye glisten, and his heart leap up as they went past? Why was he filled with gladness when he heard them give each other Merry Christmas? What was Merry Christmas to Scrooge? Out upon Merry Christmas, what good it had ever done him?
0: The school is not quite deserted. A solitary child, neglected by his friends, is left there still.
1: Poor boy. I wish—it's too late now.
0: What is the matter?
1: Nothing, nothing.
0: Let us see another Christmas.
1: Scrooge's former self grew larger at the words, and the room became a little darker and more dirty. The panels shrunk, the windows cracked, fragments of plaster fell out of the ceiling. Scrooge looked at the ghost, and with a mournful shaking of his head, glanced anxiously towards the door. It opened, and a little girl, much younger than the boy, came darting in, and putting her arms about his neck, and often kissing him, addressed him.
0: "'I have come to bring you home, dear brother, to bring you home, home, home!'
1: "'Home, little fan?'
0: "'Yes, home for good and all, home for ever and ever. Father is so much kinder than he used to be, that home is like heaven!' He spoke so gently to me one dear night when I was going to bed that I was not afraid to ask him once more if you might come home, and he said, yes, you should, and sent me in a coach to bring you, and are never to come back here, but first we're to be together all Christmas long and have the merriest time in the world.
1: You're quite a woman, little fan.
0: Always a delicate creature, but she had a large heart.
1: So she had. You're right.
0: She died a woman, and had, as I think, children.
1: "'One child?'
0: "'True. Your nephew.' "'Yes.' "'They were now in the busy thoroughfares of a city. "'Here, too, it was Christmas time again. "'But it was evening, and the streets were lighted up. "'The ghost stopped at a certain warehouse door "'and asked Scrooge if he knew it.'
1: "'Know it? uh, Why, I, I apprentice here!'
0: At the sight of an old gentleman in a Welsh wig, sitting behind such a high desk that if it had been two inches taller, he must have knocked his head against the ceiling, Scrooge cried in great excitement.
1: Why, it's, it's Old Fezziwig! Bless his heart, it's Fezziwig alive again!
0: Old Fezziwig laid down his pen and looked up at the clock, which pointed to the hour of seven. He rubbed his hands, adjusted his capacious waistcoat, laughed all over himself from his shoe to his organ of benevolence, and called out in a jovial voice...
1: Yo-ho, there! Ebenezer! Dick!
0: Scrooge's former self, now a grown young man, came briskly in, accompanied by his fellow-apprentice.
1: Yo-ho, my boys! No more work tonight! Christmas Eve, Dick! Christmas, Ebenezer! Let's have the shutters us up before a man can say Jack Robinson!
0: You wouldn't believe how those two fellows went at it. They charged into the street with the shutters. One, two, three, had em up in their places. Four, five, six, barred em and pinned em. Seven, eight, nine, and came back before you could have gotten to twelve, panting like rate horses.
1: Hilly ho! Clear away, me lads, and let's have lots of room here. Hilly ho, Dick! Cheer up, Ebenezer! Clear away!
0: It was done in a minute. The floor was swept, the lamps were trimmed, fuel was heaped upon the fire, and the warehouse was as snug and warm and dry and bright a ballroom as you would desire to see upon a winter's night.
1: In came a fiddler with a music book. In came Mrs. Fezziwig, one vast substantial smile. In came the three Miss Fezziwigs, beaming and lovable. In came the six young followers whose hearts they'd broke. In came the young men and women employed in the business. In came the housemaid with her cousin, the baker. In came the cook with her brother's particular friend, the milkman. In they all came, one after another, some shyly, some boldly, some gracefully, some awkwardly, some pushing, some pulling. In they all came. There were dances, and there were forfeits, and more dances, and there was cake, and there was mince pies, and plenty of beer. Then old Fezziwig stood out to dance with Mrs. Fezziwig, When the clock struck eleven, this domestic ball broke up. Mr. and Mrs. Fezziwig took their stations, one on either side of the door, and shaking hands with every person individually as he or she went out, wished him or her a Merry Christmas.
0: A small matter to make these silly folks so full of gratitude. Small? Why, is it not? He has spent but a few pounds of your mortal money, three or four perhaps, is that so much that he deserves this praise?
1: He is in that spirit. He has the power to render us happy or unhappy, to make our service light or a burden, some a pleasure or a toil. The happiness he gives is, is, quite, as great as, is quite as great as if it costs a fortune.
0: What is the matter?
1: But nothing. No, I, I should like to be able to say a word or two to my clerk just now. That's all.
0: My time grows short. Quick. Again Scrooge saw himself. He was older now, a man in the prime of life. He was not alone, but sat by the side of a fair young girl in a morning dress, in whose eyes there were tears, which sparkled in the light that shone out of the ghost of Christmas past. Bo? I thought you might not come. I know how busy you are.
1: Well, the time of the year, and the nature of my business, it's now more important than ever that I use my time and opportunity wisely.
0: Another idol has displaced me.
1: What idol has displaced you?
0: A golden one.
1: This is the even-handed dealing of the world. There is nothing on which it is so hard as poverty, and there is nothing it condemns with such severity as the pursuit of wealth.
0: You fear the world too much. I have seen your nobler aspirations fall off one by one until the master passion gain engrosses you. Have I not?
1: What then? Even if I have grown so much wiser, what then? I'm not changed towards you, am I?
0: Our contract is an old one. It was made when we were both poor, and content to be so, until, in good season, we could improve our worldly fortune by our own patient industry. You are changed. When it was made, you were another man.
1: I was a boy.
0: Your own feeling tells you that you were not what you are. I am. That which promised happiness when we were one in heart, is fraught with misery now that we are two. How often and how keenly I have thought of this, I will not say. It is enough that I have thought of it, and can release you.
1: Have I ever sought release?
0: In words? No, never. In what then? In a changed nature, in an altered spirit, in everything that made my love of any worth or value in your sight. If this had never been between us, Tell me, would you seek me out and try to win me now?
1: You think not.
0: I would gladly think otherwise if I could, heaven knows. But if you were free today, tomorrow, yesterday, can even I believe that you would choose a dowerless girl? You who weigh everything by gain. Or choosing her, do I not know that your repentance and regret would surely follow? I do. And I release you, with a full heart for the love of him you once were. You may, the memory of what is past half makes me hope you will have pain in this. A very, very brief time, and you will dismiss the recollection of it gladly, as an unprofitable dream from which it happened well that you awoke. May you be happy in the life you have chosen.
1: Spirit, remove me from this place.
0: I have told you these were the shadows of the things that have been, that they are what they are. Do not blame me.
1: Remove me. I cannot bear it. Take me back. Haunt me no longer. Scrooge seized the extinguisher cap, and by a sudden action pressed it down upon its head. The spirit dropped beneath it, so the extinguisher covered its whole form, for though Scrooge pressed it down with all its force, he could not hide the light which streamed from under it in an unbroken flood upon the ground. He was conscious of being exhausted and overcome by an irresistible drowsiness, and further of being in his own bedroom, he gave the cap a parting squeeze in which his hand relaxed, and had barely time to reel to bed before he sank into a heavy sleep. Stave Three, The Second of the Three Spirits
0: Awaking in the middle of a prodigiously tough snore, and sitting up in bed to get his thoughts together, Scrooge had no occasion to be told that the bell was again upon the stroke of one. He felt that he was restored to consciousness in the right nick of time, for the especial purpose of holding a conference with the second messenger dispatched to him through Jacob Marley's intervention. Now, being prepared for almost anything, he was not by any means prepared for nothing. Five minutes, ten minutes... A quarter of an hour went by, yet nothing came. All this time he lay upon his bed, the very core and centre of a blaze of ruddy light which streamed upon it when the clock proclaimed the hour. At last, however, he began to think, as you or I would have thought at first, that the source and secret of this ghostly light might be in the adjoining room, from whence, on further tracing it, it seemed to shine.' This idea taking full possession of his mind, he got up softly and shuffled in his slippers to the door. The moment Scrooge's hand was on the lock, a strange voice called him by his name and bade him enter.
1: Come in, come in and know me better, man.
0: Scrooge entered timidly and hung his head before the spirit. Though the spirit's eyes were clear and kind, he did not like to meet them. It was his own room, there was no doubt about that, but it had undergone a surprising transformation. The wall and ceiling were so hung with living green, from every part of which bright gleaming berries glistened. The crisp leaves of holly, mistletoe, and ivy reflected back the light. In an easy state upon the couch, there sat a jolly giant, glorious to see, who bore a glowing torch, and held it up, high up, to shed its light on Scrooge, as he came peeping round the door.
1: "'I am the ghost of Christmas present,' "'Look upon me! You've never seen the like of me before!' "'Never, spirit. Oh, conduct me where you will. I, I went forth last night on compulsion, and learnt a lesson which is working now. "'Tonight, if you have aught to teach me, let me profit by it.'
0: "'The room vanished instantly, and they stood in the city streets. "'There was nothing very cheerful in the climate of the town, and yet there was an air of cheerfulness abroad.' Perhaps it was the spirit's own kind, generous, hearty nature and his sympathy with all poor men that led him straight to Scrooge's clerk's, for there he went, and on the threshold of the door the spirit smiled and stopped. Up rose Mrs. Cratchit, Cratchit's wife, as she laid the cloth, assisted by Belinda Cratchit, second of her daughters, with Master Peter Cratchit plunging a fork into the saucepan of the potatoes. And now two smaller cratchits, boy and girl, came tearing in, screaming that outside the baker's they had smelt the goose and known it for their own, and basking in luxurious thoughts of sage and onion, they danced about the table. What has ever got your precious father then? And your brother, Tiny Tim? And Martha wasn't as late last Christmas day by half an hour. Here's Martha, mother. Why, bless your heart alive, my dear, how late you are. We'd a deal of work to finish up last night, and had to clear away this morning, Mother. Well, never mind, so long as you are come. Sit you down before the fire, my dear, and have a warm.
1: In came Bob Cratchit, the father, with Tiny Tim upon his shoulder. Alas for Tiny Tim, he bore a little crutch, and had his limbs supported by an iron frame.
0: And how did little Tim behave?
1: As good as gold, and better. Sometimes he gets sought for sitting by himself, so much that... He thinks the strangest things you ever heard. He told me, coming home, that he hoped the people saw him in the church because he was a cripple. And it might be pleasant for them to remember upon Christmas Day, who lame beggars walk and blind men see.
0: Such a bustle ensued that you might have thought a goose the rarest of all birds. At last, the dishes were set on, and grace was said. There never was such a goose. Bob said he didn't believe there was ever such a goose cooked.
1: But now, the plates being changed by Miss Belinda, Mrs. Cratchit left the room alone to take the pudding up and bring it in. Oh, a wonderful pudding. Bob Cratchit said, and calmly too, that he regarded it as the greatest success achieved by Mrs. Cratchit since their marriage. A Merry Christmas to us all, my dears. God bless us.
0: God bless us, everyone.
1: Spirit, tell me, Tiny Tim live? I see a vacant seat in the poor chimney corner, and a crutch without an owner, carefully preserved. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child will die. No, 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 kind spirits, say he will be spared. What then? If he be like to die, he had better do it, and decrease the surplus population. If, man, you be in heart, forbear that wicked cant until you have discovered what the surplus is and where it is, will you decide what men shall live, what men shall die? It may be that in the sight of heaven you are more worthless and less fit to live than millions like this poor man's child.
0: Scrooge had his eye upon them, and especially on Tiny Tim until the last. By this time it was getting dark snowing pretty heavily. Without a word of warning from the ghost, they stood upon a bleak and desert moor.
1: What place is this? A place where miners live, who labor in the bowels of the earth. But they know me. See!
0: A light shone from the window of a hut, and swiftly they advanced towards it. Passing through the wall of mud and stone, they found a cheerful company assembled round a glowing fire. An old, old man and woman, with their children and their children's children and another generation beyond that all decked out gaily in their holiday attire.
1: The spirit did not tarry here, but bade Scrooge hold his robe, and passing on above the moor, sped to the sea. Some league or so from shore, there stood a solitary lighthouse. But even here, two men who watched the light had made a fire. Joining their hands over the rough table at which they sat, they wished each other Merry Christmas in their can of grog one of them struck up a sturdy song that was like a gale in itself. It was a great surprise for Scrooge then to hear a hearty laugh. It was a much greater surprise to Scrooge to recognize it as his own nephew's, and to find himself in a bright, dry, gleaming room, with the spirit standing smiling by his side. Laughing again, Fred turned to his wife.
0: <laughs> he said that Christmas was a humbug, as I live! "'He believed it, too.'
1: "'More shame for him, Fred.'
0: "'He's a comical old fellow, that's the truth, and not so pleasant as he might be. "'However, his offences carry their own punishment, and I have nothing to say against him.'
1: "'I'm sure he's very rich, Fred. At least you always tell me so.'
0: (laughs) "'What of that, my dear? His wealth is of no use to him. He doesn't do any good with it. "'He doesn't make himself comfortable with it. He doesn't have the satisfaction of thinking.' that he's ever going to benefit us with it.
1: I have no patience with him.
0: Oh, I have. I'm sorry for him. I couldn't be angry with him if I tried. Who suffers by his ill whims himself always? Here he takes it into his head to dislike us, and he won't come to dine with us. The consequence of his taking a dislike to us and not making merry with us is, as I think that he loses some pleasant moments, which could do him no harm. I mean to give him the same chance every year, whether he likes it or not, for I pity him. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to the old man, wherever he is. He wouldn't take it from me, but may he have it nevertheless. To Uncle Scrooge!
1: To Uncle Scrooge.
0: The whole scene passed off in the breath of the last words spoken by his nephew, and Scrooge and the spirit were again upon their travels. The spirit stood beside sick beds, and they were cheerful. On foreign lands, and they were close at home. By struggling men, and they were patient in their greater hope. By poverty, and it was rich. In almshouse, hospital, and jail, in miseries, every refuge, he left his blessing, and taught Scrooge his precepts. It was a long night, if it were only a night. It was strange, too, that while Scrooge remained unaltered in his outward form, the ghost grew older, clearly older.
1: Our spirits lives so short my life upon this globe is very brief it ends tonight 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 at midnight hark the time is drawing near forgive me if i'm not justified in what i ask but i, I see something strange and, and not belonging to yourself protruding from your skirts look here spirit are they yours they are man's this boy is ignorance This girl is want. Beware them both. But most of all, beware this boy, for on his brow I see that written which is doom, unless the writing be erased. Have they no refuge or resource? Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses?
0: Stave Four, The Last of the Spirits As the last stroke ceased to vibrate, he lifted up his eyes and beheld a solemn phantom. "'draped and hooded, coming like a mist along the ground towards him. "'It was shrouded in a deep black garment, which concealed its head, "'its face, its form, and left nothing of it visible save one outstretched hand. "'Its mysterious presence filled him with a solemn dread. "'He knew no more, for the spirit neither spoke nor
1: moved. "'I am in the presence of the ghost of Christmas yet to come.' "'You are about to show me shadows of the things that have not happened, "'but will happen in the time before us. "'Is that so, spirit? "'Ghost of the future, I fear you more than any specter I have seen. "'But as I know your purpose is to do me good, "'and as I hope to live to be another man from what I was, "'I am prepared to bear you company, and do it with a thankful heart. "'Lead on. "'The night is waning fast, and it is precious time to me, I know. "'Lead on, spirit.'
0: "'The phantom moved away as it had come towards him.' Scrooge followed. They scarcely seemed to enter the city, for the city rather seemed to spring up around them and encompass them of its own act. The spirit stopped beside one little knot of businessmen. The phantom pointed, and Scrooge advanced to listen to their talk.
1: No, I don't know much about it either way. I only know he's dead.
0: When did he die?
1: Last night, I believe.
0: Why, what was the matter with him? I thought he'd never die. God knows. What has he done with his money?
1: I haven't heard. Left it to his company, perhaps. He hasn't left it to me, that's all I know.
0: (laughs) It's likely to be a very cheap funeral. For upon my life, I don't know of anybody to go to it. Suppose we make up a party and volunteer.
1: I don't mind going. "'If a lunch is provided!'
0: (laughs) (laughs) "'They left the busy scene "'and went into an obscure part of the town "'which Scrooge had never penetrated before, "'although he recognised its situation "'and its bad repute. "'The whole quarter reeked with crime, "'with filth and misery. "'Far in this den of infamous resort "'there was a low-browed beetling shop. "'Set in among the wares he dealt in "'by a charcoal stove made of old bricks "'was a grey-haired rascal "'nearly seventy of age.' Scrooge and the Phantom came into the presence of this man, just as a woman with a heavy bundle slunk into the shop. But she had scarcely entered when another woman, similarly laden, came in
1: too. Come into the parlour. Come into the parlour.
0: Every person has a right to take care of themselves. He always did. Who's the worse for the loss of a few things like these? Not a dead man, I suppose. If he wanted to keep him after he was dead, a wicked old screw, why wasn't he natural in his lifetime? Mm? If he had been, he'd have had somebody to look after him when he was struck with death, instead of lying, gasping out his last there, alone, by himself. Open that bundle, old Joe, and let me know the value of it. Speak out plain, it's no sin. Open the bundle, Joe.
1: Sheets and towels, a little wearing apparel, uh, two old-fashioned silver teaspoons, a pair of sugar-tongs, and a few boots. Uh, that's your account. If you ask me for another penny, I'd repent of being so liberal knock off half a crown. I always give too much to the ladies. It's a weakness of mine.
0: Now undo my bundle, Joe.
1: What do you call this? Bed curtains? You don't mean to say you took them down rings and all with him lying there?
0: Yes, I do. And why not? You
1: we were born to make your fortune, and you'll certainly do it. His blankets?
0: Whose else do you think? He isn't likely to take cold without them, I dare say. Ah. Huh. You may look through that shirt till your eyes ache, but you won't find a hole in it, nor a threadbare place. It's the best he had, and a fine one too. They'd have wasted it if it hadn't been for me.
1: But you call wasting of it.
0: Oh, putting it on him to be buried in, to be sure. Somebody was fool enough to do it, but I took it off again. Ha! Huh. This is the end of it, you see. He frightened every one of us away from him when he was alive to the profit us, us when he was, he was dead.
1: dead. <laughs> <laughs> Scrooge listened to this dialogue in horror as they sat grouped about their spoil in the scanty light afforded by the old man's lamp. Spirit, I I see. uh, I see the case of this unhappy man might be my own. Uh, Merciful heavens, what is this?
0: He recoiled in terror, for the scene had changed, and now he almost touched a bed. A bare, uncurtained bed, on which, beneath a ragged sheet, there lay something covered up. The room was very dark. A pale light fell straight upon the bed, and on it, plundered and bereft, unwatched, unwept, uncared for, was the body of a man.
1: If this man could be raised up now, what would be his foremost thoughts? Avarice? Hard dealing, griping cares? They brought him to a rich end, truly. Spirit, this is a fearful place. In leaving it, I shall not leave its lessons. Trust me, let us go. I understand what you want me to do, and I would do it if I could, but I I have not the power, spirit, I I have not the power. Spirit, let me see some tenderness connected with a death.
0: They entered poor Bob Cratchit's house, the dwelling he had visited before, and found the mother and the children seated round the fire. Quiet, very quiet. Mrs. Cratchit laid her needlework upon the table and put her hand up to her face. The color hurts my eyes. They're better now again. It makes them weak by candlelight, and I wouldn't show weak eyes to your father when he comes home for the world. It must be near his
1: time. Past it, rather. But I think he's walked a little slower than he used to these past few evenings, mother.
0: I have known him walk with tiny Tim upon his shoulders, very fast indeed. But he was very light to carry, and your father loved him so that there was no trouble. No trouble. And there's your father at the door. You went today, then, Robert?
1: Yes, my dear. I wish you could have gone. It would have done you good to see how green a place it is. But you'll see it often. I promised him that I would walk there on a Sunday. My little... little child. My little child. But however and whenever we part from one another, I am sure we shall none of us forget poor tiny Tim shall we, all this first parting that was among us? Never, father. And I know, I I know, my dears, that when we recollect how patient and how mild he was, although he was a little, little child, we shall not quarrel easily among ourselves and forget poor Tiny Tim in doing it.
0: No, never.
1: I'm very happy. I'm very happy. Spectre, Something informs me that our passing moment is at hand. I know it, but I know not how. Tell me, what man was that whom we saw lying dead? My house is yonder. Why do you point away? A churchyard. Before I draw nearer to that stone to which you point, answer me one question. Are these the shadows of the things that will be? Or are they the shadows of the things that may be only? Men's courses will foreshadow certain ends to which, if persevered in they must lead but if the courses be departed from the ends will change say it is thus with what you show me
0: the ghost pointed downward toward a grave by which it stood scrooge crept towards it and following the ghost's finger read upon the stone of the neglected
1: grave ebenezer scrooge no 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 it hear me i i am not the man i was I will not be the man I must have been. Oh, why show me this if I am past all hope? Good spirit, your nature, intercedes for me and pities me. Assure me that I yet may change the shadows you have shown me by an altered life. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. or tell me that I may sponge away the writing on this stone.
0: Holding up his hands in a last prayer to have his fate reversed, Scrooge saw an alteration in the phantom's hood and dress. It shrunk, collapsed, and dwindled down into a bedpost.
1: Stage five. The end of it.
0: The bedpost was his own. The bed was his own. The room was his own. Best and happiest of all, the time before him was his own to make amends in.
1: I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. Old Jacob Marley, heaven and the Christmas time be praised for this. I say it on my knees, old Jacob, on my knees. The bed curtains, they are not torn down. Rings and all, they are here. I am here. The shadows of the things that would have been may be dispelled. They will be. I know they will. I I don't know what to do. I... I'm as light as a feather. I'm as happy as an angel. I'm as merry as a schoolboy. I'm as giddy as a drunken man. A merry Christmas to everyone. A happy new year to the world. Oh, there's the saucepan that the gruel was in. There's the door by which the ghost of Jacob Marley entered. There's the corner where the ghost of Christmas Present sat. There's the window where I saw all the wandering spirits. It's all right. It's all true. It all happened. Oh, I don't know what day of the month it is. I don't know how long I've been among the spirits. I don't know do anything. I don't care.
0: Running to the window, he opened it and put out his head. No fog, no mist, clear, bright, cold, golden sunlight. Scrooge leaned out his window and called downward to a boy in Sunday
1: clothes. What's today? Eh? What's today, my fine fellow?
0: Today? Why, it's Christmas Day.
1: It's Christmas Day. I haven't missed it. The spirits have done it all in one night. They can do anything they like. Of course they can. Of course they can. Hello, my fine fellow. Hello. Do you know the is in the next street but one at the corner? Oh, I should hope so. An intelligent boy, a remarkable boy. Uh, do you know whether they've sold the prize turkey that's hanging up there? Not the little prize turkey, the big one. What?
0: The one as big as me?
1: What a delightful boy. It's a pleasure talking to him. Oh, yes, my buck.
0: It's hanging there now. Is it?
1: Go and buy it and tell them to bring it here that I may give them directions where to take it. Come back with the man, and I'll give you a shilling. Come back with him in less than five minutes, and I'll give you half a crown. I'll send it to Bob Cratchits. He shan't know who sent it. It's twice the size of Tiny Tim.
0: The hand with which he wrote the address was not a steady one, but write it he did somehow, and went downstairs to open the street door, ready for the coming of the poulterer's man. As he stood there waiting his arrival, the knocker caught his eye.
1: I shall love it, as long as I live... I've scarcely ever looked at it before. What an honest expression it has on its face. It's a wonderful knocker. Uh, Here's the turkey. Hello! How are you? Merry Christmas! Why, it's impossible to carry that to Camden Town. You must have a cab.
0: The chuckle with which he said this, and the chuckle with which he paid for the turkey... And the chuckle with which he paid for the cab, and the chuckle with which he recompensed the boy, were only to be exceeded by the chuckle with which he sat down breathless in his chair again, and chuckled till he cried.
1: He dressed himself all in his best, and at last got out into the streets. The people were by this time pouring forth, as he had seen them with the ghost of Christmas present and walking with his hands behind him, Scrooge regarded everyone with a delighted smile. He looked so irresistibly pleasant in a word that three or four good-humoured fellows said, Good morning, sir. A merry Christmas to you.
0: He had not gone far when, coming on towards him, he beheld the portly gentleman who had walked into his counting-house the day before.
1: My dear sir, how do you do? I hope you succeeded yesterday. A merry Christmas to you, sir.
0: Mr. Scrooge...
1: Yes, that, that is my name, and I fear it may not be pleasant to you. Allow me to ask your pardon, and we we'll you have the goodness.
0: Lord, bless me! My dear Mr. Scrooge, are you serious? If
1: you please, and not a farthing less. A great many back payments are included in it, I assure you. Will you do me that favor? My dear sir, I don't know what to say to such... Don't say anything, please. Come and see me. Will you come and see me? I will. Thank you, I am much obliged to you. I thank you fifty times. Bless you.
0: He went to church and walked about the streets and watched the people hurrying to and fro and patted children on the head and questioned beggars and looked down into the kitchens of houses and up to the windows and found that everything could yield him pleasure. He had never dreamed that any walk, that anything could give him so much happiness. In the afternoon, he turned his steps towards his nephew's house. Fred? Why, bless my soul, who's that?
1: It is I, your Uncle Scrooge. I have come to dinner. Will you let me in, Fred?
0: Let him in? It is a mercy he didn't shake his arm off. Scrooge was at home in five minutes. Nothing could be heartier. Wonderful party, wonderful games, wonderful happiness. But he was early at the office the next morning. Oh, he was early there. If only he could be there first... And catch Bob Cratchit coming late. That was the thing he had set his heart upon. And he did it. Yes, he did. The clock struck nine. No Bob. A quarter past. No Bob. He was full eighteen minutes and a half behind his time.
1: Hello. What do you mean by coming here at this time of day? I'm very sorry, sir. I am behind my time. Yes, I think you are. Step this way, sir, if you please. It's only once a year, sir. It shall not be repeated. I, I was making rather merry yesterday, sir. Now I'll tell you what, my friend. I'm not going to stand for this sort of thing any longer. And therefore, and therefore, I'm about... To raise your salary. A merry Christmas, Bob. A merrier Christmas, Bob, my good fellow, than I have given you for many a year. I'll raise your salary and endeavor to assist your struggling family and will discuss your affairs this very afternoon over a Christmas bowl of smoking bishop, Bob. Make up the fires and buy another coal scuttle before you dot another eye, Bob Cratchit.
0: Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more. And to Tiny Tim who did not die, he was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew, or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. Some people laughed to see the alteration in him, but he let them laugh, and little heeded them. His own heart laughed, and that was quite enough for him.
1: And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well, if any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that be truly said of us, and of all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. Goodbye from the mill
0: bar. Goodbye from the mill 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 bar. Yeah.